retro anime. How did we find it? How does it hold up? Unpacking the ins and outs of being an old school nerd, and proving that 80s kids can't remember a damn thing right. These are the mindless midlife musings of the anime nerd. Welcome to Mindless Midlife Musings of the Anime Nerd. I'm Rick, and I'm joined by the rest of our panel, Lynette, Vic, and Brian. How's everyone doing today? Hola. How's it going? All right, in this episode, we sortie and take to the skies as we sign up for the Foreign Legion in Area 88. Area 88 is a 1985 OAV produced by Studio Pierrot. I don't know, I'm guessing on that pronunciation. The series consists of three episodes released between 1985 and 1986, and it is based on the manga by Kaoru Shintani. Uh, it was released in North America by Central Park Media in 1992. Uh, they followed it up with a DVD release in 2000, uh, and after their license lapsed, ADV picked it up and did a DVD release, and then Discotech did a DVD release. I think they were the last ones in 2018. Um, this has no relation to the 12-episode series that was released in 2004, other than they're both based on the same uh, original book. And, uh, yeah, so story is, is pretty interesting. It follows uh, Shin, who is a uh, pilot, uh, Yamato Airlines. He's an aspiring airline pilot. He's about to the gig he's going to be real happy about. And then his best friend in the whole wide world, motherfucker takes <laughs> takes shin out gets some shit face and signs him up for the foreign legion you would have thought that that would they would have said you know what uh maybe this is not what the way we should be operating <laughs> right like the, yeah the king the, the country as aslan they would have been like you know I, I feel like we could recruit people a little bit better than this <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> No, no, your sign's right here. You gotta do it. Shins has an issue picking out friends, apparently. That's the very first statement. That's the very first statement. But the thing about it is, we live in a world where we have things like repossessions and bankruptcies. Where the, the strength of a man's signature is not as awe-defining of a moment as what Terry to be in this one. True. <laughs> you signed this doc? I was fucking drunk. You can leave, but you'll be a deserter and we get to shoot you. <laughs> so yeah, it's I mean it was what it was according to the, the English on the uh document, it, it was nineteen seventy nine when he signed his life away. Mm -hmm. So, you know not saying things were that different back then. We still had bankruptcies and foreclosures and shit, but back then you could still sign checks and those could get taken, you know? So your signature did have some power to it. Right. They made it seem like it was a blood oath that was done <laughs> with sorcery of, uh, of necromandius. <laughs> well, apparently in Aslan, you know, your signature is like the word of God. That's it. Yeah, we're not even... We're not even talking about Aslan from the line from Chronicles of Arnie. No, no, this, this isn't no, no, Aslan. <laughs> talking about the country Aslan that doesn't even have a fucking military, but the signature is supposed to be the the all end all be all. Got it. Check. I feel I feel like um, they had a military, but they they didn't have a big enough military. Hence the for because they That's had it was. 
Because this is era 88, and then uh, it clearly in, what's it, like the second or third episode, come across some, I don't know, a famous Parisian military historian guy who's like, well, areas 18 and 8 were merged, and area 17, and he's going through like a whole list. And like, yeah, mm -hmm. we don't care about that. We just want to know where this photo was taken. So he, it, he does make it sound like they have a military force. It just must not be very big. And then they decide to augment it by forcing people into labor. Right. I, I don't know. I, mean, I don't it, know was, it was like, what was it, a coup, a civil war? Which yeah, essentially means war. they're fighting themselves. Right, it was a civil war between dads. <laughs> yeah. The plot of this is actually thinner than, say, something like, um, I don't know, slavery. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I would hope that the plot to an anime is thinner than hundreds of years of human enslavement, Brian. Right. <laughs> I mean, oh. you would say it's indentured servitude, but these motherfuckers are making millions of dollars. <laughs> I, do I guess that was the plus side. You know, it's like, yeah, you signed your life away, but you get paid really well. I do take issue with some of this in, in the sense of, uh, and I'll get to that. I mean, just the whole idea of you can buy your way out. I just feel like, and there's a saying that if if the penalty for breaking a law is a fine, then that penalty only exists for the poor. That's what signing up for this military is like. It's like, oh, if you're rich and you get drunk, you sign your life away. It's like, you're fine the next day, cut a check. But mm -hmm. if you're poor and you sign your life away, you're fucked. And that's that's what they were banking on. And that sucks. It's just another one of those classes things. But actually, I'll be clear. I like this anime. I did. I, I hated it. I hated how it ended. That annoyed the shit out of me. Oh, I, yeah, the ending was... We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. But I, I, did, I did like this anime. Now, remember, this came out in 1992, Brian. Right? This was... Blockbuster Video had this. I remember. I got picked it up off the mm -hmm. shelves. And the opening act, pretty baller, right? There's these tanks in the desert, and all of a sudden the air support's flying in and bombing the shit out of them. It's very cool, especially for military brat. Like, I was like, damn, this is dope. Because we totally said that in 1992. Damn, this is dope. So <laughs> just kept... That's I, where we use dope. Yeah, that's, that's what it was, right? I'm pretty sure. Anyway, we kept, I watched the shit out of this. Because not only was it uh, action and anime, and I was totally into that, and I was riding the high of Super Dimension Fortress Macross with their jets. And uh, then also being a military brat working at an air force base with a dad whose whole sole existence job was repairing fighter jets. For me, the, the plane porn was fantastic. I was so into this anime. You know what, it, when you talk about the plane porn, you know what it felt like to me? You ever seen them, them uh, posters and they have like planes of the Korean war or planes of <laughs> World War II, right? You know, or, or, or planes of the Persian Gulf. You know, and you see all these fighter jets, and they're just all lined in there. <laughs> None of the jets were the same, you know, but right, yeah. it's pretty badass to see everything in there. It was like, okay, all right, I see what you're doing. They got all the coolest planes. That's what you guys get. <laughs> they had they had everything. They had everything in this. F-16s, F-4s. They even had an eight Warthog. Yes, they had a fucking eight. That's literally, I was going to say the A-10. They had an A-10. It was so cool. They had... 
BF20, which was a little funny, and I mean, I can dig into that if, if we really want to, but I don't feel like that's necessarily a topic of conversation. Um, they even, in the manga, apparently, they had other, like, like a Grumman X-29. So this, the manga artist and writer clearly had a thing for planes. They, that showed this anime. This anime, you want incredibly well dra- hand-drawn aircraft uh, action sequences this is your anime uh if you want to care about a single motherfucker inside these cockpits this maybe isn't your anime <laughs> i'm save this but uh I, i'm interested to find out how the net feels about this one so far i thought it was incredibly violent which was cool you know <laughs> um the best part i would have to say was the trick shot of blowing the back of the dude's head off inside the cockpit of the plane because he was making everybody mad. Um, Just because he was dying. I mean, that's still a thing. He's dying, so he's freaking out. And so that precision shot through the back back of his head in the plane, and then you're like, whatever. Yeah. But I would have to say that the callousness of it was kind of like, I was like, whoa, this is kind of harsh. I mean, it's like when they did the that sneak attack to the base to get all the fuel pieces, and he's like, don't worry, pay attention to what you're doing. And he's like, one plane goes, boom. And he goes, okay, just keep focusing, let's just go. It's like, you just lost three planes in turn four. And you, you're just like, oh, don't worry, we can have supper when we get home, you know? Or I'm thinking <laughs> about Dunkin' Donuts while, it, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, really I, calm. Oh, we got a, that the whole trench run? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to hold on that moment, or do you just want to just beat the shit out that one moment? Look, I I think I think it's worth talking about. I I liked it. I liked it a lot. Like it because it felt a little bit trench run from Star Wars. Felt a little bit apropos of nothing. It's the Top Gun had the whole like flying through the trench thing in Maverick. So it was. Mm -hmm. Revisit it now, it had like an extra level of relevance to it. And I was like, I, I like this. And it was some beautiful destruction. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we live, this is being recorded in 2023. I mean, 20, yeah, 2023 for the aliens that we're beaming the <laughs> But I just want to make sure you said this was recorded. In nineteen when? Eighty five. It was animated. It was made in eighty five. And it was the first trench run since that was really well done since say a new hope, Star Wars A New Hope. But how many trench runs have we had since this moment? (laughs) Like you said, you have Top Gun Maverick, but you also have a little known movie that people forget about. Iron Eagle too. Okay, I was gonna bring up Iron Eagle later on. <laughs> it's like this, this had like Iron Eagle. It felt like it had Iron Eagle written all over it. I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you. I'm not the only one though. No, I, I, I'm with you. Yeah, it definitely had. I mean, definitely had some of that vibe for sure. So I'm bringing that up because when we're talking about how Japanese anime influences, you know, just just pop culture, you know. Mm-hmm. The a, a big one we've already we've already addressed is the Akira bike slide, yep. right? Oh uh, yeah, the mm-hmm. 
I will say that this is by far the best trench run I have ever seen, ever executed. I thought it was. I thought it was fucking great. It was. It was, it was beautifully done. Uh, Considering actually, the quality of the animation wasn't the greatest overall, but yeah, the you know the effort they put into it, it was really nice. So, so that was the note I had about the animation. You know me, guys. I usually wax crazy nostalgic about animation, but this one, the animation was very middling until the third episode. The third episode, it felt like they got a hell of a budget boost because it's like they planes, went out with a bang. <laughs> planes are getting shot down in episode three. I was like, damn. This is like they're showing the rivets on these motherfuckers. It was very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in the first two episodes, it was like, meh. See, that's that's why you need to start. You really need to start a some type of supplemental episode. Because I was <laughs> going to make the comment that this was phenomenal animation. Yeah. I thought I it was phenomenal. I loved episode three's animation. It was fantastic. Episodes one and two, it's not that episode one and two were pretty good. Well, no, it's not that they were bad. Not by any stretch of the they imagination. Were bad. I mean, compared to everything else that was released at the time, that was actually pretty good. I mean, we're talking eighty five. Exactly. You know, and and we've been doing a lot of Ghibli this year, so it's very it's very hard to hold mm-hmm. other anime to that standard. Uh, so I don't. Uh, but considering what it is and when it came out. Yeah, the animation's great. It's, I mean, look at this compared to other things from that era. Look at it compared to Super Dimension Fortress Macross. Look at it compared to uh, Fist of the North Star. Look at it compared to, you know, those uh, early to mid-80s anime. And yeah, mm-hmm. hell yeah, it looks great. It just, it was a noticeable jump in episode three for me, where I went, oh, wow, they got a budget. It was just mm-hmm. enough that I was like, okay, they, they're going all out. To mention the fact that episode three was almost as long as the first two episodes combined. (laughs) Yeah, I totally forgot about that when I suggested this series. I'm sorry. I, God damn it. I I hate when I'm at odds with you guys. Go ahead. Like this, because my whole note with this was, this is the epitome of of beautiful destruction. I'm not arguing that fact. Episode three's destruction was fucking like it had the hook I'm, I'm not saying one and two were bad. I'm saying three was the best of them. Three was like when they got mm-hmm. their budget boost. It was it was to me noticeably better in three than it was in one and two. It's just like saying the third slice of pizza tasted better because it had the right balance of ingredients. The first two still tasted fucking great. It's just the third one was the one I was like, damn, that was a good slice. No one's <laughs> going to be able. Nobody's going to be able to get that from from the way we're talking about it right now <laughs> you need to set the you need to set the expectation of in regards of animation where do you place this because i'm going to say something and i promise you i promise you as i say these words i may lose two friends <laughs> we promise not to crucify you Definitely not. Vilify, maybe. Crucify, absolutely not. You're going to say what what I want to say? That this is some of the best fighter jet animation ever rendered? I was actually going to say, I think that the fighter jet animation in this one is so much better than Super Dimensional Fortress Macross. I absolutely... For the TV series, I would agree. Right. Exactly what I was going to say. For the TV series, you have my 100% support. Absolutely. TV series animation, on top of being three years younger, Super Dimension Fortress Macross, the 
it was handled by weaker studios. For certain, absolutely agree with you. This is this is by far the best fighter jet animation I've ever seen. Uh, it's fantastic. Now you ask me to compare this to Macross. Do you remember Love? Them's fighting words. <laughs> well, and we'll cover that in another episode someday. But for now, I, I totally agree with you, Brian. You ain't losing a friend on that one. You have my absolute support. Absolutely. I can honestly say that I was terrified right now. <laughs> so no crucifixion, no crucifixion or vilification. You're okay. This is I. I love the fighter jet, the the care they took animating fighter jets in this. The renderings mm-hmm. of the cockpits, to the way that they uh, handled. I mean, is that scene in, oh, where's the fuck's my note? And I, I wrote it because I'm like, God damn. When Buxy's pulling like a fucking 8G climb with the Photog as his Rio, and then mm-hmm. he's like going blind from the blood flow from the Gs. I was like, God damn, this is, this is all the shit that I wanted to see in like, movies <laughs> they're, they're doing it. it felt when it comes to the physics of it yeah. it felt like i was dealing with the same amount of care that's placed into stuff like a uh, gunbuster we yeah. we talked about the science of gunbuster and how much it really it really drug us in and i feel the same way happens in this one especially in regards to uh like 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 the gi's or gravity eyes it, they're the yeah. actual terms used. Yeah, like G-Lock, but when you go G-Lock, it's like you pass out. So this is definitely right before G-Lock. Um, mm-hmm. And I and just because I, I, I love fighter jets and I grew up an Air Force brat doesn't mean I know a goddamn thing about flying a plane. So anything I say, take it with a grain of salt. It was still cool as fuck. Uh, and, and they did that consistently. The only thing, mm-hmm. like, sometimes they get, I mean, like you were saying, Lynette, he fucking sniper shot his own ally mm-hmm. when the friendly fire scene. I'm like, all right, look, mm-hmm. I, I don't know a lot about fighter jets, but I know it's really fucking hard to hit a target as small as a human head from that far away. And, Going at those speeds. Right. And they not only did that, but then they did it inverted shooting explosives off of a 747. So, yeah. you know, there's mm-hmm. a little, little room for suspension of belief here. Uh, a little I fantastical. Was, I was still into it. I didn't care. I was like, fuck yeah. We'll get a Maverick. I do I do want to talk about... So, again, this came out in 1992. Really, we didn't have a lot of... We had the Iron Eagle movies. We had Top Gun, the first one. Um, it, like, we were in the heyday of, of fighter jet jockeys and, like, how that was going. So when this dropped in 92, it was, it was like, perfect timing. The manga picked a perfect time to be around. I don't know that it would be as successful. Well, now the Top Gun Maverick came out, it would probably be just as successful. But up until then, I don't know that it would have been as popular as it was when it came out. This was very popular. I mean, this was popular enough to spawn a video game. Oh, yeah. Uh, a really great video game. Uh, UN Squadron. It was, well, you and Squadron here in the U.S. <laughs> Area 88 everywhere else. But it was, and I, I don't know why, I, I could not, didn't even bother to look it up, but for some reason they call the U.N. Squadron over here. Fantastic arcade game. Because, you know, fighting for the U.N. sounded much better than being a bunch of mercenaries killing for money. Right, I guess. <laughs> but at the same time... At least like, back then. 
I mean, I don't, you know, whatever. It's fine. Like nobody cared. Like nobody was well, playing. The, playing. the game didn't care, but the, you know, the parents that supplied the money for those things. Dude, nobody. You cared. know, they they were a bit whiny back then. So, so this is you're saying that this spawned a video game. Yes. Yeah. This anime was so popular, it got a Capcom video game. It got UN Squadron. It was a fantastic shoot 'em up arcade game. I would like to say that this is one of the first times that I've actually heard it is normally reversed. Like we see Street Fighter and then we see the Street Fighter anime. Right. Or we see, you know, Fatal Fury, same mm-hmm. thing. Right. This is actually the first time because I recall Area 88 or UN Squadron. Yeah. And now I see that this was a movie. So I would have thought that, oh my God, this was a movie that was based off of the anime. Right. Yeah, yeah. The same, the same formula, but actually yeah. it's reversed. So that's that's pretty yeah. cool. Which, I mean, yeah, at, well, a, at a the time. The series that we recorded, uh, Yu Yu Hakusho also had a series of games it, it based did. off the anime. It did, but in the early, in the early 80s. Oh, yeah. In the mid-80s when this came out, it was a lot less common because video games mm-hmm. weren't it was this, and and again, we're gonna we we'll keep talking about. It. There's a lot to compare uh, with mm-hmm. Super Dimension Fortress Macross. They got their game as well, a couple of them, but not a lot of anime were getting video game spinoffs. Not not then. And if they were, they weren't the greatest of games. <laughs> right, right. So you're, you're literal right. crash, uh, uh, cash grabs. You're right, Brian, in that it was it was fairly unique for its time but it i mean now the practice is huge now it's like as soon as you have an anime it's a property let's make a game the um, name of, the name of the g-force eyes is red site there you go thank you thank you brian appreciate that uh that on on-site fact check you got red site yeah because they didn't do a g-log it didn't pass out but they got red site which i again i loved that it was so cool it was shitty <laughs> shitty i just wrote did he picked the worst pilot to ride with because did 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 Bugsy not have staff or flair? Like his his one option when he when somebody got lock on him was oh, I'm gonna pull up really fucking hard, <laughs> try and get away from this missile. And we're uh, talking about the photographer was who was in the back seat, right? Yeah, yeah, he was riding Rio for for Bugsy in there, and it was an NF four I think they were in, and he's trying to get away from a missile lock. Or missiles fired, you know, smoke in the air. But he couldn't, couldn't get away from it. So his, his one decision on how to avoid this missile was pull up and go really fucking fast. Fight um, gravity by going up, and yeah. I just, it just so, as a, <laughs> go ahead. So I had a note about since we're talking about Rocky. Yeah. That the people who came in there as like sub- subsequent characters. Yeah. Or guest starring, it felt like <laughs> it felt like Game of Thrones and how dirty they got done. Right. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I agree with you. Yes, but it felt it also felt very episodic. So knowing this was a manga before watching this, which I didn't in '92, now knowing it was a manga before watching it, you can kind of tell it was like, oh, this was a chapter in the manga. This character, this new character, has shown up. It was it was like totally a chapter in the manga. Because we had the, uh, <laughs> so yeah, you, you start off with, with uh, Rocky, which, you know, great. Then we had the, uh, where the fuck was my note on this? And I'm like, are we serious? The escape killers. I'm air quoting. Mm-hmm. Show oh, up yeah. in the middle of episode, show up like oh, really early, actually, in episode one. And you're like, 
oh, these guys are clearly bad news. They got villain eyebrows and everything. Yes. <laughs> At first, I'm like, is it because they're black? And then <laughs> the episode. They had a villain forehead. That one guy had a villain forehead. And then they cut to the group of soldiers. I go, no, there's black guys in there. So it's not because they're black. These guys are just evil. They're not, not some kind of racial thing. So what's funny is, is that was the weakest fucking use of a character or three characters. They're like, oh, we're the escape killers. It's like the beginning of episode two. And then all the other guys are like, get the fuck out of here. All right, we're going. But next time, gadget, <laughs> take off. <laughs> like he brought them in and i'm like this dude's taking tons of pictures of them they look really menacing with the pointy eyebrows you know all they were missing was the thing over their face to say over nine thousand. like really that was that was kind of what no. was for. <laughs> you know? wow she said they they had they were saying evil <laughs> they really they definitely uh, had a, a, a saying forehead they, that, they did they had that vegeta forehead going on uh, but then they and, went quiet, like the yeah. whole time, quiet, nothing. I was like, well, "What are these guys?" What's Wasted going on? plot point. Same thing with uh, right. Prince Valiant or uh, what Charlie, Charlie the the Phoenix. Like he showed up, and I'm like, "Well, this guy's a bad guy." <laughs> as soon as he was like, no, what, he's what, what killed me about Charlie is that he gets shot down. <laughs> no, no, he does Charlie. not get shot down, Brian. Bird strike takes his motherfucker out. Yes, he gets killed by a pigeon <laughs> or a seagull. Fair enough. Seagulls killed Charlie the Phoenix. Seagulls weaponized seagulls. You know, just for That's just for really nobody to talk about, for nobody to talk about. So you, nobody gonna say that Charlie was the one that tried to shoot him down. We're not gonna talk about that. Well, absolutely, yeah. Charlie is. We as soon as he landed, I'm like, oh, he's the assassin. Like because they had just yeah. established that that um, Anzaki, who's a fucking monster, they just established mm. that he tried to get an Italian hitman to send somebody to kill his childhood fucking friend yes. <laughs> with him in the orphanage. Christ, Anzaki's a fucking monster. Yeah. So, so thank you. Girl. Thank you for bringing that up. Where was the fucking orphanage located at? <laughs> because here's, here's my problem. We have an Italian antagonist who is friends with a Japanese protagonist, and they met in the orphanage. Where was this? Where where would this orphanage at? Where we have such a United Nations delegation. Well, I mean, the, the bad guy, the bad guy's name is Satoru Kanzaki, so he's Japanese. He just no, he's Italian. No, he's Italian. <laughs> My Italian's a little rusty, but I'm pretty sure that's not how it sounds. <laughs> I promise you, yo, he's Italian. I trust you. I trust you. I'm just like flabbergasted that an Italian has the name Satoru Kanzaki. <laughs> But that does make more sense as to why he would have gone to uh, the Italian mafia to get a hit on somebody. Oh, man. I don't know. I want to say Paris. You know why? Because fucking everything else in this movie, in this series, took place in Paris. Everything was Paris. Paris, Raslin. Raslin. Yeah. That was it. <laughs> Can we just, just for the rest of the show, stop saying Aslan? Because I feel like I'm disparaging Liam Neeson. I feel like we should just say Narnia. 
Okay, uh, whatever. I'll try my best. Do you want it? You want to say it with the the Japanese alliteration? Azran. Azran. You know the L's and R's. It's a common. No, I feel Azran. like Irish Indonesians are going to come for me. So I think I feel better <laughs> talking about Narnia as opposed to Azran. <laughs> I'm fine with it. Uh, all right. So for the record, how did you guys watch? Uh, dub sub. Sub. Did you even have to ask me? <laughs> sub, so we got sub, subs, and Brian did dubs. Uh, no, no. I actually did the first one uh, dubbed. Yeah. And uh, the other two I did subbed. I, I tried to do it. I'm so dubbed. proud of you, Brian. I tried to do it dubbed as well. And I got three minutes into the first episode and I was like, holy shit, I hate this. And uh, I immediately stopped it because uh, the voice actor, whoever the hell played Shin in the English dub, was appallingly bad. Um, just unbelievable in everything he said. And and this continued into other characters. Most of the well, well, Let's just talk about Shin for a second. You know, Shin as a protagonist, I I thought Shin was a little bitch. Shin was Shin was the typical Japanese hero character of that era. Kind of wooden, sort of like lacking a lot of personality. They were very. It was. I don't know if it was like so you could see yourself in the character kind of shit. But a lot of heroes from that era had the same mo. It was that same. Just he got bland. roped into something he didn't want to do. He just wants to go home. Had the yeah. matching hair for other pieces. That's how you knew he was the good guy. He had the, the fancy. He had hair. The, yeah, he had the Foker hair coming down. Yo, his hair was so long <laughs> you actually saw it throughout the helmet. And I was like, you know, that you would have thought that he would use a motherfucking hair tie. <laughs> just During those moments of time. I don't care if you want to have uh, Vidal Sassoon hair. Don't care about that. But what I'm saying is Paul Mitchell bangs during this moment is probably not the best thing. He was doing from a plane he needs both eyes available. I was just going to say. best one-eyed pilot. That's there you go. At this no. moment in time, that I could only see to the left. I can't see to the right. Well, wait, wait, wait. He's, he was like those famous sword fighters where they say, don't make me switch hands. Right? Yeah. So he covers the eye. That's right. <laughs> he goes, don't make me flop this one out. You guys are going to have It's like, oh, shit, he pulled his hair back. <laughs> He's invincible. So my problem with with Shen is that clearly he's a savant, or well, or the word we would be looking for is prodigy. <laughs> you know, at killing people, I, I do. He hates that he's so good at doing this. Right. So, I, what's the best way I can think about this and, and put this into people who have not seen this? Imagine Michael Jordan. And you find out that Michael Jordan hates playing basketball. Or or he just happens to be good at it. Or that, yeah, like like Michael like Michael Jordan really wanted to play soccer and and he was like training to be a soccer player and then he accidentally signed with the Bulls and was being forced to play basketball, but was the fucking best ever at it. Yeah, that's that's kinda <laughs> it's like an adjacent thing. He's he was trying to be a freaking airline pilot, like a commercial airline pilot. Spent like three months in Azran's boot camp. And Narnia, greatest Narnia. killing. I said Azran, so suddenly he became the greatest killing machine, outperforming 
An F-14 pilot who served as air support in Viet fucking Nam. <laughs> just, he's just one of the characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, outperforming them all. <laughs> just happens to be the best there. I mean, that, that's... Without I, wanting to actually try. Like, I'm not just surprised. Just home. By any of, of that, really. I mean, from an anime standpoint, this is an MO we're all pretty used to. Did really like supporting cast in this. Each one of them, like a lot of them really felt like they had good characters. I liked Mickey. I liked, I liked that he randomly ran into his ex-girlfriend in Greece. Like, that was fucking funny. Um, <laughs> like, like, I, I felt like, I felt Mickey was, was the, uh, 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 mm, I almost died just now again. I almost died. <laughs> I felt like Mickey was a Roy Fulker we deserved. Right. Yeah, he was. <laughs> He was great. He was charming. He was funny. He was good. And he had, for some reason, did not like Rocky. Remember Rocky wanted to, like, shake his hand, and Mickey just stared him down, and he was like, all right, then. So. <laughs> and they never really explored that. I wish they would have, because it was kind of an interesting, like, that they bothered to put that in at all. No. No, they, they, you didn't explore any of the other characters. I think Mickey was by far the one that gave the most... I guess attention to he did without a doubt, yeah, because he was number two, you know. Shit but, showed up number one. <laughs> even even they even gave you a little backstory about Mickey about when he yeah. went back into uh, when he was actually a civilian, you know, after being yeah. the war. Yeah. yeah, he just he he had to get himself back in. So I I am going to take that as a segue to talk about it. It's one of the things that uh, that I wrote later in this and it has to do with sort of the ending how everything unfolds and it's i think if there's an overreaching theme for this is what war does to people and, mm -hmm. I, and I think that that's, that's the story they wanted to tell while making it an exciting action theories um that's what that that was that was your your thing that you got what war does to people what war does to people and you know the how i mean just like mickey was example of shin's future like mickey was was the person that shin would become uh i had a different message go ahead my message was choose a better laundry detergent <laughs> go on go on this is deep I, I i respect that this is definitely an important message because everyone's talking about the smell of gunpowder and blood you know <laughs> you can, for blood you can get that out with some tap some tap water. Not tap water, but was that soda water? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That, some spit. Spit gets the blood right out. Yeah, gets the blood right out. As for the gunpowder, mm -hmm. seriously, you can replace... I actually have a note that I understand the smell of gunpowder because <laughs> I'm a barbecue savant and I know smoked meat. <laughs> so... <laughs> oh, shit. So yeah. I was like, yes, you can't... You know, it's the difference between propane and, and charcoal. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, I guess that could be the message, but it's definitely not the one I got. Uh, the message I got definitely circling around how difficult it is for soldiers to acclimate to civilian life and it, the desire the to go back. There need the smell of gunpowder. Uh, and the gunpowder. I mean, obviously, an addiction to gunpowder. I feel like that may be need to approach, look into the addictive uh, nature of the scent of gunpowder. Right. You, you, we don't want to try, I don't know, cologne? We, you know, 
<laughs> maybe put in the fabric sheet into your dryer. That that could you could try that. Could it might work out? I don't know. <laughs> Some downy fabric softener works wonders. Oh, real quick, but in all actually, uh, actuality, I actually thought that the overreaching thing was a bit of Top Gun with PTSD and survivor's remorse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I the the note I wrote was kind of based on something I'd noticed a lot. Just how many times have I heard stories of of soldiers who couldn't return to civilian life, so they reenlisted or they found a different profession that was adjacent and and. Mm-hmm. That's sort of how we as a country, and all countries really, have just the best training and the ability to turn boys and girls into soldiers. None of us really have a process or a training to turn them back into civilians. People get, you know, people who see combat, they come back, a lot of them have a really hard time adjusting civilian life because it's just not what they, their brains have been trained and organized. Bro, you were you were opening a can of worms on that one. You just don't know. But <laughs> but that statement is we know how to turn people into soldiers. We don't know how to turn them back. Yeah. And more often than not, they have to find something that's adjacent to what they were doing. Right. That's been my uh, my experience in, in with anybody who well not anybody, with a lot of the people who I've met who served. They end up in something adjacent to military service, be it police force, security work, be it you know enlisting in a different branch of government. Like this, this we have a very hard time turning killers back into civilians. Now, I you don't know, mean that in a negative way. Not killers. I mean soldiers. We we teach them to do this, but we can't bring them back from it. And and I, I, I really wish you could understand how powerful of the statement that you're making right now. I. I don't think you, I know you're saying this from a either military brat standpoint or just somebody who's lived, you know, in this country, you know, but that statement is so fucking powerful. You know, we actually have people who have to deal with the PTSD of their military service, you know. And it it truly does not matter what you actually did in the military. You can have, I myself have never been in a combat theater. However, as a nuclear engineer, I've had to deal with the way that the military has made my brain think. Sure. You know. You're always on. Yeah. You're always on. Shout out to my, to my younger brother, Daryl. He is... As everybody knows, he's this is a portion of the show that we rarely get to. But if you are suffering from PTSD or any mental ailments from your military service, go to the VA and receive yeah. help. Please. That's mm-hmm. kind of my point. I I know I'll never know what it's like to be on the other end of that. I'm too old, I'm too fat, I'm too lazy. It doesn't matter. Point is, is I can still I have eyes. I still see what it does to my brothers and sisters, to my my friends, to their families, to and this anime touches on that. And it touched on that enough that I was taken aback by it because I'm like this, I was watching Shin suffer in the most minimalist anime fashion. 
just being unable to find his place in the world for just a like a fucking night. He couldn't yeah. handle it. And and Mickey addressing that fact that he had to come back because of like Brian was joking, the smell of blood and gunpowder. But it's that's a euphemism for that life. And a great example, a great example of what you're speaking of is the movie The Hurt Locker. Right. You know, where you get addicted to this action, but yo, there there is a level of for instance, we're talking about people who in just in this anime alone. Right. Just anime alone. Anime alone, right. Who wanted to be a commercial pilot gets out, finally finds his way out, and he's like, No, after one night, I need to go back to being a fire fighter pilot. Saw, saw no other recourse after all the bloodshed that he'd done, saw no other recourse for himself but to return to that world. Because mm-hmm. he didn't know how to live as a civilian. He didn't understand how to just be. That sucked. And- it, that hurt a lot watching it. As I was like, God damn it, she's on the phone, you motherfucker. Just go to her. And so, I feel like it probably could have ended slightly different if he got a hold of her, like, first thing. So imagine, I just I just want to throw a hypothesis out this or a hypothetical wow. situation out there, which, for the record, is not hypothetical at all. No, of course. You saw the possible glimpse of somebody who got out and said that they had to go back in to do this, right? Right. What happens to a person who gets out and any choice of being able to go back to that life or anything resemblance is also taken away from them. Right, it's removed because either they they received damage, they, they're injured and they, they're incapable of serving now, or they're too old to serve now, or to just, I mean, whatever the multitude of reasons that they can't, they can't get back into that world. It's the only one they know, especially career soldiers, people who've been at it for... Yeah, you know, he's only been four or five years. Yeah, he was in two yeah. and a half fucking years, and he got out, and he was changed forever. That's that to me was the most powerful thing about this anime. The action sequences were fantastic, and and airport airplane porn was amazing, and I loved all that. But what I was left with was was genuine sorrow. I was left with genuine sorrow for this character because I wanted him to have a happy ending, and in his head, he's seems happy on his way back because it's the only world he knows and i'm like motherfucker you're flying to your death (laughs) it's it was it was depressing it's apparently not as depressing in the manga so i guess there's that if you want to have a happier version of that the manga is your way to go um (laughs) but it's very ambiguous but the reality of the situation is he's flying into a firefight he can't win Mm mm-hmm Heavily outnumbered. God knows how many people will be left when he gets there. Right. So, yeah, it was... The ending bothered me a lot, but it it also was powerful for what it was. Again, we're talking about an anime from the mid-80s. It's it's not... I'm not going to get deep. It's not going to be that deep. Three episodes. Uh, It's it's the length of one Lord of the Rings movie to watch this whole thing. (laughs) The reality is that Pop culture is defined by two-hour movies. You yeah. know, it's not just... This one has just as much... The, abil- the ability of this one to affect people is just as great as something like Top Grunt. You know, sure. you can't go to certain bars without hearing 
uh, highway through the danger zone, and right. everybody initially having a Need for Speed reference coming out in their fucking mouth. Hundred percent. You know, um, the effect this has. Like, we're not even just talking about highway through the danger zone. If anybody comes up there and starts singing, uh, "You've lost that love and feeling," oh, and a Navy song. Yeah. Which before this, it was never a thing. Yeah, oh, 100%. No. No, the movie made it. Like, our mm-hmm. our our theme song, like, the Navy song is Anchors Away. Not at the Top Gun, it isn't. It's fucking <laughs> <you lost. laughs> You know? Yeah, I... Right. Uh, this... I'm not giving it enough credit. It it does... It does attempt to, to talk about it. And I'm sure... And in the manga, they probably spend a lot more time on it, and it, it probably gets more attention. But the fact that it's and it's even in there at all made me made me I don't know proud, but made me glad to see it being addressed at all. If it wasn't for the fact that it, it did begin to address it, I would have been pissed with the ending. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because like it felt like everything that they were doing leading up to that moment. Completely just etch a sketch that shit away. Yeah. Take the whole damn screen and shake it. <laughs> right, and because he'd been so addressing angry. it. He'd been addressing it for three hours that he's turned into a killer and how many more lives is the devil going to make him take and all this. And I'm like, I hear you, bro. I hear you. I, I can feel you. That's and that's and that's why. All right. So in 1992, I was, you know, freshly driving a car, full blown teenager, hormones, whatnot, whatever. When I watched this the first time, and the character Ito, the deserter, he's sitting in his chair and he said he just wanted to meet the Japanese guy who turned into such a legendary killer. And he decided that it wasn't something he could do, and he would rather die than become that. Mm-hmm. And I, I laughed like a motherfucker when he cried out for his mama and he got shot to death. I, I thought what a, that was a waste of time. What a stupid character. Now as an adult, my heart goes out to that character. I'm just like that blew me away. A level that I didn't expect coming back to it after all these years. Mm-hmm. Um, and he signed up thinking he was going to be uh, something else, got there and realized that he couldn't do it. And, and chose and chose death rather than become a killer. He he died with his morals intact. That was uh me, it was far more powerful than it was when I was a teenager and not thinking straight. And that was episode two, right? Yeah, uh, was it? I think so. I think so. Yeah. So you get the difference between the conscientious objector, which is what that was what we're basically talking about right Absolutely. now. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. You know, and then uh, on the flip side you have the being hired, having someone hired to kill you. I thought the best thing about episode two was he is walking through the desert, walking through his doom, and he's like, I can't survive. I mean, he's going through all this just to make it right back to where he fucking started. I was so... It was... That, to me, was the foreshadowing. It's like, I knew exactly how this thing was going to end. And subconsciously, he's running away. Well, consciously, he's running away, but subconsciously, his body is taking him right where he's going to end up forever. Mm-hmm. Pulling him right back in. I, I knew, yeah. yeah, I knew, I knew he was a doomed character when he 
did that unknowingly. It's one of those things when you wander and you wind up in a place and you're like, oh, I haven't been there in so long. I remember this place. But you weren't consciously walking there. So when he did that, I was like, oh, he's never been. No matter what. That was just basically what that was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was damned. Mm-hmm. And and he and he even knows it. Like he calls it out. He starts bitching at the devil himself. How many more people are you gonna make me kill? Like you keep bringing me here. It was I don't know. It, it's for an anime that has like it dances the line between like action, Top Gun, bravado, and then flipping it and and giving you I don't know the, the consequences of war. Not on 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 civilians or collateral damage, but on on the soldiers we make fight the war. And I, I thought that was just I loved that. I loved that about this. Mm-hmm. Depressing as fuck, but I I still I thought it was great. It's interesting to have that line walked when you've when clearly like they're they're trying to make this an entertaining action anime. Like they've got freaking rock and roll baller opening songs on the anime <laughs> and the how far to paradise from the first episode the, i mean they just they were trying to do something with it and and the story is just like nah nah we, we're gonna finish this our way i don't know it was to me it was, it was it was a lot more powerful than i remembered it being i guess what it is mm-hmm. and let me just say it had villain villain that i love to hate he was fucking terrible in every Win? single thing. Kanzaki. Kanzaki was terrible in every oh, he was trash. of his fucking life. He was a monster. <laughs> Just every time he opened his mouth, he did something more despicable than the last thing he did. And I'm just like, this guy is spiraling into evil. <laughs> He's Lex Luthor level. You know, you, you know, actually not Lex Luthor. You know who I thought the best, the first thing I thought about when I, after watching this, he reminded me of, uh, Pop Mondego from, uh, oh, yeah. from Count of Monte Cristo. 100%. That's an excellent reference. Yeah. Yeah, dude. He was, he was that. He was that motherfucker. Couldn't stand seeing his best friend living the life, living a life of happiness. Had to stomp mm-hmm. him down at every turn. You're right, man. That is exactly the relationship they had. Well done. Ho- just toxic. Man, Kanzaki's a motherfucker. Yeah, he was trash. <laughs> you, you know, I, I actually thought that we were going to actually start taking some time to talk about Nguyen. Go ahead. Please. He was interesting, too. I, I, so, <laughs> he, was, he was interesting because he, he was also kind of like Shin's destiny. Much like Mickey was, so was Nguyen. Gwen was like, dude, I'm you. <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> That's basically what he kept saying. I, I I thought that it's so, like, when you're looking at movies like Top Gun or Iron Eagle or even Memphis Bell. Oh, right? another excellent one. We, we basically say there's not really many too many ways a person can die, you know, from a plane. It's either going to be from, ble- from bleeding or an explosion, or, you know what I'm saying, it's it's one or two ways, gunfire or explosion. Right, right. This does a great job of just showing you exactly how bad your life can be (laughs) 
to get into a cockpit. You know, <laughs> the wind shooting that guy who parachuted out, I thought that was so fucking baller. <laughs> and a war crime, but. <laughs> yeah, it was dirty. Oh, it was dirty. It was type shit. But, god damn, it was pretty. It was. It was. And and poetic as fuck. I loved how they paid that forward. Like, <laughs> or paid that back, I guess. It was right. karma. Excellent. Karma of the highest order. It was so good. Really, I mean, he was no, he was nowhere near Kanzaki. Kanzaki was next level. But Nguyen it, it was, just, yeah. I, when we're talking about beautiful destruction, right? Yeah. We're, we're like, the limb, the things that the way they shot people in, 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 in this was just sometimes I don't want to say it was over the top, but it definitely made, made me just have a moment in, in terms of just the, the amount of destruction that was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, a beautiful, beautiful destruction. Um, horrible carnage, not or porn. Not not in the sense of like, oh my god, you know, it was more just like damn, like that's a way to go. You know, that's you, every time a pilot bought it, you just go, damn. That sucked. Which 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 kind of made me I love the realism of it. And I think that's why I said it. I thought it was better than Super Dimensional Fortress Macross. Sure. And and stuff. It really felt like when of all the ways that people died in this one. It completely different than than how it's depicted over in yeah. in Mac. Well, and, and I mean they're they're telling two very different types of stories. Right? I mean, it's they're both considered war anime, right? I mean, one's definitely hardcore science fiction, and and this one more far more grounded in a level of reality. Mm-hmm. But but they are compared often because, of course, we're talking about two fighter plane anime that came out. Just a couple years apart in the 80s. So I, I get the comparisons. We did a bunch of them here. But they really are telling two dramatically different stories. I mean, it's without a doubt. So they, whereas the fighter jets may not have been as well rendered in, in Macross, they were, that wasn't what they were going for. They were going for the fantastical. It was, you know, people were there for robots and the giants and the, the you know, the love triangle and all that shit. There was a lot of other shit happening. Area 88 was said, we're going to keep it right here, this one military base in this godforsaken desert. We are just going to torture these guys for three and a half hours. And and I, I was, I'm into it, man. And I wish I, I'd never seen the series that came out later because to me, this was really powerful in and of itself. I remember having seen it and then knowing later on when in like 2004 or whenever when the, the series came out, I was like, oh, I don't need to see the series. Like I saw like I saw the OAV and that was fucking great. Mm-hmm. And but now I am curious about it a little bit. And I think I might try and visit the series. It's only 12 episodes. I'll probably pick it up. It, I'm curious how if they spend more time with the subject matter that I found so powerful in this. Or if they're going to just try and gloss it over in the typical post 2000s shiny anime fashion that everything seems to do. Because, yeah, man, anime in the 80s and 90s weren't afraid to tell heavier stories. I'm just saying it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were deeper and more visceral. And it just felt like they were taking more chances because they knew they had a bigger palette, I guess. Like, 
Like we, we can't do cute. Disney's got that shit unlocked. Ghibli's coming out. They got this shit unlocked. Let's tell our own stories. And it just felt like Wild West for cartoons, I guess. Mm-hmm. I had a feeling that uh, in regards to the the character design and when they were drawing them, it felt like it was a it felt like it was a sketchbook that could have been of of, of models in Cosmopolitan. <laughs> I I see what you're saying. Yeah, uh, I do. I see what you're saying. Like There's... these were the sketchbook for the Devil Wears Prada, <laughs> <laughs> particularly when they were in their civvies. Like it was a lot of that. If you're going, oh, these are some fashionable motherfuckers. <laughs> no, no, he was making a statement. Shin was making a statement, and before he made a statement, he did like a shoulder drop the jacket. <laughs> he threw it over the back. I'm like. That's just not fucking necessary. Nobody fucking. <laughs> but they did in the eighties, <laughs> or, or they they did in 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 Arslan. <laughs> oh fuck! All right. Um, lest we dive too far into things, I, I guess it's probably a good time for us to maybe wrap this up a little. Um, so we'll start with final thoughts uh, across the board. I don't really have a lot of musings before we jumped into it. Apparently. Uh, this, again, the manga ends on a much happier note than the animes. Either of them, apparently. Lots of aircraft porn. In episode 3, he gets an F-20, which is kind of funny because that's a plane that never saw full military production or combat. So somehow McCoy is next level because he can get prototype planes. It's <laughs> kind of a fun thing. Um, <laughs> Oru Shintani, the creator of this also created the mid, early to mid '90s. Uh, I dream of Mimi, the Butobi CPU anime. It's a the erotic com oh, erotic wow. comedy. Same same dude. So two dramatically different types of anime. <laughs> it was very totally different genres. Yeah, I was I was impressed. Is why I wrote the note down. I was like, damn, he didn't have a lane. He had a highway. He's like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go over here. I'm gonna go over here. So. Completely different than, than Ghost of the Shell guy. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Shiro has a lane. He stays in his lane. Everybody loves his lane. He drives so pretty in that lane. This motherfucker, he's like, I'm going to take this exit. I'm going to merge back in. I'm <laughs> he's a, I, I think he love Kern or Albuquerque. That's him. Yeah, <laughs> that's him for sure. Uh, so that impressed me a bit. But I mean, yeah, just uh, the the wiki page has a just a list of every type of plane they put in this. So if, if airplane porns your jam, hit the wiki; it'll give you everything you need. On that note, let's that in the show notes. Yeah, oh, I'm I'm totally put in the show notes. Yeah, uh, on that note, I guess we'll we'll hand it over to you guys. Uh, let's start with you, Vic. Area eighty eight. Did you watch it in the nineties? And if so, how does it compare to that now for you? Okay, so. Did watch the first two. I can't remember if I saw the third or not. Because, you know, back then, it was, I think it was released as three VHS. And then eventually, I think it was on two DVDs. I'm not sure. Maybe it was even three. I don't recall. But like I said, I clearly remember watching the first two. And I remember parts of the third, but I don't recall a lot of the third. So I thought it was great. Like we mentioned early on in the episode, uh, you know, it had uh, some, it, it felt a lot like Iron Eagle. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I think it's still worth a watch. I mean, 
Is it perfect? Absolutely not. Is it gut-wrenching? Yes. Is Kanzaki the biggest pile of trash in the series? Absolutely. And so, yeah. I enjoyed it. People should watch it. It never gets enough love anymore. Much like everything else from that time frame. All right. Yeah. I it the, the whole reason that we do this show to sort of just bring these older anime to light. Uh, Lynette, I'll, I'll go over to you now. Uh, your first time with Area 88, I'm assuming, since that seems to be our MO. Yeah, <laughs> it seems to be the pattern. Um, I, I like We're not picking never... on you, we promise. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's very exciting. I've actually never watched Iron Eagle either, so I have no idea about your references that you guys are doing. So I know. <laughs> I know. Brian is aghast right now for those of you <laughs> listening in. Uh, like, uh, Iron Eagle is the quintessential. If I'm a military brat, you need to watch this movie. It is, yeah, without a doubt. It's it's how you get your stripes as a military brat. <laughs> All 117 uh, movies. That's right. Yeah. No, I've, I've never watched that one, but uh, I've seen all the other ones. You know, but, anyways. I digress. Uh, you love you still. Uh, you love you still. That's right. The series, the the three were very good. I was very surprised about how the third one was twice as long as the first two. I was like, oh, we're getting somewhere. Um, I did enjoy how the second one ended with him uh, going back to Area eighty eight, even though he said, you know, f this, I'm I'm going home. You know, he pu- he pulled a Cartman. Uh, Screw you guys, I'm going home, and wound up going to Area eighty eight. <laughs> which is home yeah. <laughs> which is home which is home um, I did feel bad for the girl who tried her hardest to get him to come back and kind of just did not succeed in anything she couldn't pay for him to come back she couldn't convince him to come back she couldn't even find where he was at you know so it's kind of like uh, she was running on a hamster wheel I saw that little I was like, oh, um, but yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I I thought it was good. Not surprised that I had never seen it uh, <laughs> when I started my anime trek, but thankful yeah. that I I'm watching it now. Awesome. Yeah, it's definitely outside the wheelhouse for a lot of anime viewers. Yeah, uh, it's, it had a lot of nor- notoriety when it came out. I mean, again, enough to spawn a game, but but with Western audiences, I don't know. It was. It's definitely one of those. I guess a little more niche uh, anime. So yeah, happy to bring you into the fold on that one. My friend Brian, uh, let's talk about it. 388. Did you see it back in the 90s? I saw the cover. <laughs> <laughs> well, my blockbuster had you didn't it. come over enough. <laughs> my blockbuster had it, so I rented the shit out of it. Again, as like the sole anime patron of the Naranja blockbuster video. I rented, I rented everything on that shelf a bunch of times. Uh, so, so this was your first time with it. So lay it on me. How how do you feel? Well, I had to turn off a lot of who I am to truly enjoy it. Um, I did enjoy the the, the their aircraft form. Enjoyed it immensely. Um, it gave me an aeronautical Woody. That I was, I'm proud to sport. Sometimes the best kind. <laughs> but um, I found myself having an issue with the plot, you know. And there's so much to be said in terms of 
just if you really just think about this from a regional standpoint, you know, we're talking about somebody who is Japanese and Japanese, you know, you know, we're talking about the kamikaze pilots from World War II. You know, there's a rich history of devotion to to, to aviation there. Same thing goes with obviously America. You know, there there's something to be said about the truth in Mickey's character. Yeah, we just celebrated a whole movie of, of, of Top Gun Maverick where somebody who have not who should have been an admiral can't seem to get his shit right because he's still in the fucking cockpit. There's a lot of truth in certain this. The only thing that doesn't seem like it's true is Shin's character in terms of being the number one pilot and he hates doing his job. Not with aeronautics. You know, not, not, not with aviation. That's not one of the things that I could see you having such a hard job being an objector. You would have found a way to crash yourself into a mountain a long time ago. You know? And it seemed like it was very easy for him to continue to survive in something that he should have been killed a long time ago. Even if that moment of distraction from I don't want to do this got into the cockpit with him at the same time. So I have an issue with that. But there's a lot to really love even in spite of that. Does it hold up? Yep. We can see, we can basically take this whole movie and put it into Top Gun Maverick and you're right back to where we are right now. So yeah, it holds up. I would recommend it. And um, I'm excited to hear what your keep calm is on this one. <laughs> yeah, that's a rough one. Um, I, I too, obviously, I, I, I told you guys at the start of the show, I, I picked this up in 92 a bunch of times, watched it a bunch of times. Loved it. Loved loved the airplane porn. Thought it was all that and a bag of chips. Yeah, I, I do feel it holds up. I, there, are, there are things that bug me about it, like, note that i wrote that i didn't even get to talk about the fact that these guys are apparently all friends but they're not that good of friends because shin was only 20 grand away from leaving he could have got like a thousand dollar loan from every one of his friends and gone home nobody like apparently 20 g's was chump change according to mickey not 10 minutes earlier but he couldn't be bothered to just give shin the last 20 g's since his plane was crashed and just be like you know just go home man like could have done that. There's easily 20 pilots in his unit or his wing. Like they could have like put out a grand each, send him home. <laughs> it was right. clear. That was his whole thing. So they obviously weren't that, more than that on bullets. So they obviously weren't that good of friends. I'm just saying. Um, so things like that kind of bugged me a little bit about it. Liked, I liked that they spent time building that world up for you, even though it was so basic. McCoy was the go-getter. If he needed anything, he had ins and he could bring it to you. Even a whole fucking fighter jet. And he was a character that we didn't really get to talk about that I thought was interesting. Like, here's this guy profiteering off of this civil war. And he's just gleeful as fuck about it. (laughs) Um, He's a different kind of villain, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, this this anime, uh, if you... If you're not really interested in the military industrial complex and you're not worried about how we make soldiers or VA or any of that stuff, 
this anime is still fun for you. This anime is still exciting. It's action-filled. It's a lot of these things. If you grew up around soldiers or you know soldiers, you know veterans, you know people who you know, served in Nam and died of Agent Orange, or you know, you know people who served in Iraq and came back different than they were, served tours and just like getting, getting the military out of your head. Uh, this anime talks about that a bit, and it's kind of great for that because not a lot of medium does do that. And here we got an anime from Japan carrying that weight. Uh, then this anime is also for you. Uh, yeah, I just I feel like there's a lot here for anybody. Just like old anime, great. You like action, great. You like melodrama, there's a bit of that in here too. You like absolute fuckers for villains that you wish would die, you got your guy. They're in here. Yeah, do do check it out. I don't know if the series is any good. I have no idea. But this, these three episodes from 1985 and 1986, these are excellent. They're excellent film, and I, I cannot recommend it enough. Uh, definitely check it out. On that note, uh, I guess we'll wrap it up. So until next time, keep calm, and remember, all your life, it'll last a whole lifetime. Deep Thoughts by McCoy. You've just been privy to the mindless midlife musings of the anime nerd, presented by Geek Grotto. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Geek Grotto. For show notes and corrections, or for general geeky fun, you can visit our website at geek-grotto.com. If you would like to sponsor the show, you can do so on the podcast's Red Circle host site, redcircle.com slash shows slash M-M-M-A-N. If you're listening to us on your favorite podcast app, please like, follow, and subscribe.